What is up, all of our liberty-loving friends? This is a special episode of Dumb Bleep of the Year. This is one of our recap episodes for the uh, the voting for Dumb Bleep of the Year. So we're going to be covering each month, and then the winners of each month will go into a quarterly semifinal, and then we'll bring that into the final four. And of course, the live group, the Fed Haters Club, will be voting on what's going to win Dumb Bleep of the Year. The winner will get a trophy that says that they won Dumb Bleep of the Year. And the person who submitted that specific Dumb Bleep in the live group, or it could be on Twitter, or it could just be me, will get a trophy to put on their mantle at home. So let's get in to Dumb Bleep of the Year. This article from The Truth Out We knew this was going to happen, too. Anti-trans panic is rooted in white supremacist ideology. I'm going to read this one. You're going to read the other white supremacist ideology thing. Same thing, folks. Anti-trans white supremacy. Okay. In March 2022, the Idaho Idaho House of Representatives, like legislatures in 13 other states, voted to criminalize providing gender-affirming medical care to transgender youth. Mutilation of, chi- of children. Yes. They criminalize mutilating young children. And when asked about the bill's threat to the lives of trans youth, Republican State Rep Julianne Young replied, quote, I see this conversation as an extension of the pro-life argument. We're not talking about the life of the child, but we are talking about the potential to give life to another generation. On, on the one hand, ending the quote now, we're back in the article at the moment. On the one hand, we want to emphasize that Young's assertion, suggesting that trans people never have or raise children, is false. Not only do trans people have and raise children, they often do so biologically, using their own gametes. On the other hand... This is the, where the men gives yeah, trans the men men's, gives birth. Trans men still have children. Okay. <sighs> On the other hand, it is important not to reproduce the implicit logic of Young's statement that adoption, fostering, extended family, and kinship networks are somehow less important. By reducing the definition of family and care to biological reproduction, Young is participating in the increasingly common great replacement discourse, a rhetorical framework grounded in the belief that society is structured first and foremost as a set of competing groups jostling for biological superiority. So whose group matters to Young? Now, this is where it's white supremacist. Using the basic demographics of her state of Idaho, it's clear that she is concerned with white trans youth. Mm. That's what she was saying, because the demographics of the state would be mostly white, then her concern for children being mutilated and maybe not being able to have children means that she is concerned that there will be less white children being had because of the mutilation of these kids. Therefore, this is all rooted in a white supremacist ideology. Mm -hmm. Therefore, being anti-trans is racist. That, I can see... Did you follow that? Yeah. I would put an equal sign there. We need that uh, gif of Charlie from It's Always Sunny. Actually, that's what we, that's what we need right now. That's essentially what's happening. That popped up. There it is. There's the gif. That's how you line all those things up. There's another thing that is rooted in white supremacist ideology, Charlie. waking up early. Waking up early is rooted in white supremacy. Of course. <laughs> the notion of waking up early and starting your day with the rising sun is often associated with productivity, success, and a strong work ethic. 
However, this seemingly innocuous concept is not without its historical and cultural implications. In this article, Mm -hmm. we explore the origins of the early rising narrative and how it is rooted in white supremacy, contributing to the perpetuation of racial inequalities. (laughs) Never mind that for thousands or millions of years before we even had clocks, Mm -hmm. that all animals rose with the sun. True, true. Unless they were nocturnal. And then then they went to bed with the sun and they woke up with the moon. Let's assume that we're not talking about nocturnal animals right now. Yeah, just regular everyday animals. Yeah. Yeah. They would typically rise with the sun and they would go to bed with the sun. Because that's how you would stay alive. You would wake up and you would spend your day trying to find ways to stay alive. The idea that waking up early leads to success and disciplined life can be tracked back to various historical and religious contexts. In the Western world, this belief has been strongly influenced by uh, Protestant protestantism it's a weird word and the puritan work ethic which emphasized hard work diligence and self-discipline as virtues what a shame <laughs> that's that, clearly racist imagine we know you that. had a child and you're like look i don't want you to work hard Mm-mm. have no diligence whatsoever and self-discipline no do whatever you want now, that's kid. something the racists have yeah mm-hmm This work ethic has long been considered an essential component of the American dream and the idea that success can be achieved through dedication and effort. Guess what? It can. It It can. can. And not just from white people. (laughs) Black people do this. Asian people do this. Mexican people do this. Cuban people do this. Basically all the people. Yes. People do this. People do this. Except for the nocturnal ones. For the longest period of time, America was the land of opportunity. People would come here, work hard, and create an amazing life for themselves to get away from war-torn countries, dictatorships, slave, whatever the case may be. (sighs) All right. Now, I want you to remember that the title of the article is Why Waking Up Early is Rooted in White Supremacy. They then go on to explain in a section called The Origins of Early Rising Ideology, or Waking Up Early, and they talk about how it is rooted and Protestantism, and the Puritan work ethic. And then they go on to try and tie it to white supremacy afterwards. Mm -hmm. But they literally, in an article saying it's rooted in white supremacy, say that it's not rooted in white supremacy. I'm going to skip around a little bit, but I'll start with the intersection of early rising and white supremacy. The early rising ideology is not inherently racist. However, it's rooted in white supremacy. It's not. They just said that. Well, however, which is but, Its connections to white supremacy can be seen when examining the broader historical and social contexts. During the era of European colonialism and the Atlantic slave trade, the concept of hard work and productivity became intertwined with race. Skipping down here to the impact of early rising narrative on racial inequality. Um, There there is one important part in there. You didn't um, highlight it. Because I've... I went yeah. down to the high. Those are just section. for emphasis, but I cut out all the non-important yeah. stuff already. They tie this to white supremacy because slaves were expected to get up early and work hard. Mm. Therefore, it's rooted in white supremacy. Gotcha. Even though they originally draw its roots back to this Puritan work ethic before that. But because slaveholders expected slaves to get up with the sun and work hard, this is actually part of white supremacy. 
The idea that waking up early is a sign of superior work ethic and a key to success serves to reinforce racial inequalities in several ways. For one, it places the blame for economic disparities on the individual rather than acknowledging the systemic barriers that hinder the success of marginalized communities. Of course, it's never your fault, folks. Mm -hmm. I just want to reiterate this over and over and over and over again. By promoting the notion that anyone can achieve success if they simply work hard and wake up early, it ignores the structural racism that has created and maintained these inequalities. Yep. The, what Don't try. What they're trying to say to minority communities is that you'll never be good enough. Mm -hmm. You should give up your hope right now. There's no reason for you to work hard. Don't try waking up early. By the way, I don't think waking up early is necessarily tied to success. I think a lot of people say that because it, it does offer a sense of discipline. Because like most of the life. super successful people wake up really early. Not, not all of them. Like, you know, Jeff Bezos, I think, wakes up at eight, doesn't go in the office till nine or 10. Now, sure. Well, but I think there's a lot of people. It just depends. Warren Buffett said he's, he gets up at like 730 in the morning. Yeah. He, but there are a lot of people who wake up early. It, it does. It shows a sense of discipline. That's what it is. It's like, hey, I'm going to get an early start to the day. I need my quiet time in the morning, so I'm going to wake up early. I'm going to take care of these things I need to take care of while everyone else is asleep, and I'm going to get a good start to my day. So and that typically leads to a, a good amount of productivity. Personally, I like my early start days. I get to sit there and, like you said, think about the day. I get an early start on everything. I get to think about uh, white supremacy the whole time, yeah. you know, and plan out how I'm going to enact all my white supremacist goals the mm -hmm. entire time. But what you're saying, where they say that this uh, is not acknowledging systemic barriers, and we've got this crazy idea that we're promoting, the notion that anyone can achieve success if they simply work hard, well, that's ignoring the problem. And here's, well, like you were saying, just here, here's the message, minorities. Don't worry about working hard or getting ahead. You know who you should rely on? You should just... Rely on us white people to take care of you. Daddy Because Sam. you clearly can't do it on your own. Yeah. So you're, you're not capable. There's nothing you can do about it. You can only rely on the hardworking white people and why to that, take care of you and your family. How is that a message that resonates with anyone? Because it takes away the personal responsibility and the majority of people, uh, a lot of people, you know, like that. When someone tells me I can't do something... That like lights a fire under me. Mm -hmm. I'm like, watch me. You know, if you say yeah. I can't, I can't be successful. Okay, I'm. You're welcome to feel that way. Mm -hmm. Watch this. Like, I don't. I can't understand that mentality. It's like, hey man, you know everything's against you. There's nothing you can do about it. And I'm just be like, oh yeah, well, might as well give up. Yeah, yeah if there's we nothing I could do. Uh, there's nothing, I don't have any power, you know, I don't have control over my own life. It's dictated by everything and everyone, the system and everything is against me. And look, I'm not saying there aren't barriers. There's, we talk about barriers all the time from government, not just from black, not just for black people, but, or other minorities, but for white people, for all kinds of people, it's difficult to start, well, not difficult to start a business, but it's difficult to comply with all the rules and regulations. And the IRS is breathing down your neck and you got to pay state taxes and federal taxes and you got to keep up with the books. And there's all like, it's not as easy as like, oh, I'm just going to start a business. And then obviously they, they play favorites with different rules and regulations and you, they give the money to their, to their buddies. 
And like, there's a lot of things that are unfair, but why would you let that stop you? Why don't you be like, oh, it's not worth it. Yeah. Just give up. I'm not going to do anything. If that's the case, why are you living? Why are you here still? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, what's the point? Let's the add point on is to you this. Have to, the, the, the reason why we say this podcast is about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning is because, like, you know, happiness isn't always going to be there. <sighs> Look at me. Um, wealth isn't always going to be there. Um, a lot of things in life are fleeting, right? And if you don't, if you're not grounded in something meaningful, which, by the way, for a lot of people... As Bailey said earlier, I'll agree with this. You need, uh, you need some Jesus. Like, mm-hmm. At least that's a grounding effect, right? Um, without something that, that you're pursuing that's meaningful, all of these other things will get in the way and you will start to believe those things. You will start to believe like, I don't, I don't have any meaning. I don't have a purpose. Everything's against me. Life is unfair. I should give up. And a lot of people that reach that, that place, that's what they start thinking. And then, you know, at, in a way, they're not wrong because at the end, we all die anyway. That's true. Everything is, true. is pointless. But your responsibility is to make this world uh, as to make this world a better place than when you came into it. And that's like Jordan Peterson said, everything you do matters. Mm-hmm. That's the meaning of life. Everything you do matters because it doesn't just affect you. Like your decisions, your, the way you pursue life, the meaning that you pursue Every decision that you make has an effect on the reality that people experience. And like, do you want this place to be a better, a better place for your kids or not? And what are you doing about that? What are you doing about that? Stop waiting on other people. Something that you can do. I'm talking to myself as much as I am anybody else right now. <laughs> We're saving that's the world. The, one and that's one the podcast truth. episode of the time right that's now. That's the truth. Charlie, everything that you just said, the problem is that you just don't understand. Okay. Probably. You know who does understand how hard it is for Joy black Behar. people? Joy Behar. Yeah, she does. She understands. Okay. She grew up a poor black child. You know who doesn't understand are the two successful black guys that she's talking about. And she's just wants to let them know that they don't understand what it's like for black people. She does. This so can't be real. Listen to her. And he's one of these guys who, you know, he's like Clarence Thomas, black Republican who believes in pulling yourself by your bootstraps, rather than, to me, understanding the systemic racism that African-Americans face in this country and other minorities. He doesn't get it. Neither does uh, Clarence. Right. And that's why they're Republicans. Yeah. (laughs) That's why they're Republicans. He's talking about uh, she's talking about Tim Scott uh, in that clip, by the way, who's running for president, which we. I don't even think we talked about this week uh, because he's black, clearly. I like what Clay Travis had to say there. Oh, I didn't read it. Yeah, Noted expert on black men, (laughs) Joy Behar, (laughs) says Tim Scott and Clarence Thomas, two actual black men, don't know what it's like to be black in America, and that's why they're Republicans. (laughs) I know more about your struggle than you do. Imagine being so full of yourself and your own knowledge and your own expertise on the world that you'd be able to say things like this as a rich white lady who's famous for saying the dumbest things that people can say. God. And they, they project this like, and they're, they're inclusive and tolerant and they advocate and they're noble and all of these things when really, I mean, they don't even just listen to regular people say, Hey, here's my experience. 
They're like, no, 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 no. You got your experience wrong. Obviously, you've been lied to. You know the rapidly rising uh, um, uh, in with uh, with uh, I don't know. Uh, All right, so King County board member shouts she's glad to support sex offender nominated to homelessness board. So they have this board of people and they're trying to figure out what to do about homelessness. All right. They're trying to help marginalized communities. This is in uh, Seattle, I believe, right? Yeah, I believe so. They're trying to help these communities and they nominated this guy to the board. Homeless, I believe. Homeless guy. He was, yeah. And someone takes issue with the fact that this guy is a sex offender. And by the way, not just your run of the mill sex offender. We're talking with minors, Mm. by the way. I was was looking at that. And someone is like, uh. Also convicted. Yes. By the way. They're like, uh, I don't know about this whole sex offender on the board thing. He has touched me inappropriately. And someone gets very upset about this. Of it's course. the response. <laughs> it's the response from the co-chair. That's that's the dumb bleep here. Can I say something? We have a code of ethics on this board, and Thomas Whitaker Raven Crowfoot is a sex offender, a repeat sex offender, and I have had bad experience with him so i don't touch you up because we can't disclose people's personal business here right okay. and although that's public disclosure like we have no right to out anybody in this space okay okay i thought thinking right? of what like that's just not here. okay at all okay. and i won't and stand I for that as a co-chair no, we're not we don't here do to that discover here. people's no. backgrounds and actually i'm glad that if that is the case that he's here because sex offenders are another uh, population that is most vulnerable that don't have housing <laughs> okay people I do have change and people do touched me he has he she has touched me so if there's a meeting where he's christina, at you need to take there. this to the police you then christina i have this is not the forum christy stop as the co-chair i'm telling you that you cannot talk like that in this meeting i will not have that here believe all women (laughs) if anyone wants to talk like that you will be muted and removed from this meeting (laughs) jesus christ help us just when you think it can't get worse so it does these people are absolutely delusional the response was, if it's true that he is a sex offender, I'm glad that he's here because sex offenders are uh, one of the, uh, what did she, what did they represent? Did um, no, it's had something to do with uh, one of the most vulnerable yes. communities is what she said. Sex offenders are one of the most vulnerable communities that, that don't need, have housing. That don't have housing. Yeah, that's Ugh, it. God. Uh, this was actually, you know, I found a little bit better clip than the one that we were watching earlier, yes. but the other one had more stuff in it. She goes on to talk about they were concerned with equity, and that's why it was important for the person to be there. Yes. Now, I do have to give the, I do have to give the follow-up to this. The person, uh, Colston, that was doing the yelling that was upset was asked to resign. I don't know what's happened since then, but originally she is refusing to resign, uh, so the people running the board, people in the government, I guess, or whoever's board it was, said, uh, yeah, we're not going to have a multi-time sex offender on the board, especially if he's uh, assaulted one of the other people that's on the board, and also children, or, or minors, at least. Like, yeah, we're, we're not going to have him on the board. That's pretty easy <laughs> to, to say. So they did come out uh, and say, of course he's not going to be on the board. And, the, and they said that this person's uh, reaction was ridiculous and asked her to 
resign. So well, the dumb bleep is her. It's her, Colston. It's, it's absolutely. Yes. It. This is what you do when you find these victims, Charlie. Incredibly angry. Incredibly angry. Also, I don't know if you noticed on the screen or not, but they had LGBTQ2IAS+. Well, you had a 2SL. 2SL. Or 2S. Mm-hmm. What Does anyone know what 2S is? Double sex offender. <laughs> <laughs> it's part of the... Two-spirit. Marginalized group. Can someone tell me what two-spirit means? What is a two-spirit? Um, bipolar? I don't... <laughs> Are we... What is that? Two spirit? That's a gender. Is it too late, Charlie? Is it just too late? We let this go too far, huh? I don't know. Part of me thinks that sometimes. (laughs) Okay, that was number four, the King County sex offender on the board. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We're coming up on the holiday season, and honestly, I used to dread this part of the year seriously did uh it can be so stressful trying to find gifts coordinate schedules you guys ever try to schedule with your family during the holidays uh plus to me it's always marked the passing of yet another year and when i say that out loud i can't believe that i used to look at that as a bad thing the passing of another year not everyone gets that but adding something new and positive can counteract some of those feelings therapy can be a bright spot amid all the stress just like it was for me when I tried it. That's right. Doing therapy worked for me and it can work for you too. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com GML today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash It's going to be Gavin Newsom's proposal of the 28th Amendment to the United States Constitution to help end our nation's gun violence crisis. All right. The American people are sick of Congress's inaction. The 28th will enshrine four widely supported gun safety freedoms while leaving the Second Amendment intact. So the... Okay. Raising, number one, raising the minimum age to purchase a gun to 21. Number two, universal background checks. Number three, a reasonable waiting period for gun purchases. And number four, banning the civilian purchase of assault weapons. Uh, But this is going to leave the Second Amendment intact, uh, by the way. We'll play this video. I do have to get out of here uh, pretty quickly because I'm at home right now. My wife's got a work call. Coming up pretty soon. Every time, it's the same. They tell us we can't stop these massacres. They tell us we have to stand by and watch tragedy after tragedy unfold in our communities. They say we can't stop domestic terrorism without violating the Second Amendment. And the thoughts and prayers are the best we can do. I'm here to say that's a lie. In this country, we do have the power, the power to change things, to reclaim our freedom from fear. Our ability to make a more perfect union is literally written into the Constitution. So today, I'm proposing the 28th Amendment to the United States Constitution to do just that. The 28th Amendment permanently enshrines four additions to the laws of our land. It raises the minimum age to purchase a firearm from 18 to 21. Because if you can't buy a beer, 
you shouldn't be able to buy a gun. It mandates universal background checks to prevent truly dangerous people I kid from you purchasing not. a gun that can be used. The people who found this uh, music, waiting periods they went online and they searched corporate BS background music. from buying assault rifles. Those weapons of war our founding fathers never foresaw. This will guarantee states as well the ability to enact common sense gun safety laws while leaving the Second Amendment intact and respecting America's gun-owning tradition. How does it leave the Second Amendment intact? Tell me, someone. Please, someone tell me. Oh, Lord. Unfortunately, I do have to go really quickly, so I'm not going to have time to go all the way into this one. Um, come up with your own really funny, crazy things to say about how stupid this 28th Amendment is. By the way, I recommend you go and look through the Constitution sometime. I noticed something really, um, uh, really cool one time when I went through it. Um, the first, the, the Bill of Rights are essentially limitations on the government, okay? Says things that the government can't do, or it says things that the government must do, like, uh, or, or, or some rights that you have, things that the government must do, like a, you know, speedy trial, whatever, things like that. And then later on, it starts giving the government rights and taking rights away from people, okay, except for where... Uh, women got the right to vote, and of course they uh, outlawed slavery as well. Things like that. Okay, I get it. Those things uh, are in there and bestowing rights uh, to people. But you look through there and you start to see the Bill of Rights being rights granted to the government or rights taken away from the people later on uh, when new people were writing those rights. Go through. Go through the list of them sometimes. See if you notice that. Uh, like I did when I was doing this whole, um, when I was, when we were working on this big speech about the right to privacy a couple of years ago now, I, I noticed that as I was studying the amendment. So let's go through the voting process. Come on, man. And it's going to be called California. And it's going to have two stories from California that people have been talking about uh, this week. Charles, if you want to. You want me to take the first one? If you want to do the honors on the first one, that we can do it. All right. It. This is from uh, Free Beacon. California bill would redefine infertility to give men access to pregnancy treatments. California lawmakers are advancing a bill that would redefine the inability of men to get pregnant as infertility and entitle them to insurance-covered fertility treatments. Let me read that again in case everyone fell asleep. <laughs> California lawmakers are advancing a bill that would redefine the inability of men to get pregnant as infertility <laughs> and entitle them to insurance-covered fertility treatments. Oh, question, though. What about a trans man that can get pregnant? Now, is that an oppressor, an oppressive man over the infertile men? Who can't get pregnant? I, I seem to be infertile. Yeah. Myself. Like a trans man comes in, you know, he's got ovaries. I think you're asking you're, too all many questions. Stuff. Okay. Yeah. It just is. Now. That was racist. Yeah. Okay. The legislation, which passed the Senate late last month and is about to be taken up by the Assembly, would require employer-sponsored insurance plans to cover all non-experimental fertility treatments including artificial insemination of pregnancy surrogates. 
Supporters of the legislation have touted it as an overdue step, an overdue step toward fertility equality <laughs> for LGBT people. What about the Qs? Uh, well, they don't like them anymore, I guess. Freshman state senator Caroline Mehava <laughs> said, quote, it will ensure that queer couples no, no. longer... Sorry. They left off the Q. That's the Q. I'm just driving me nuts right now. That's because she's going to spell it out here. Okay. It will ensure that queer couples no longer have to pay more out of pocket to start families than non-queer families. This bill is critical to achieving full lived equality for LGBTQ plus people. They got everyone there in that time. As well as advancing well-rounded and comprehensive health care for all Californians. It will ensure, I know what you're thinking. <laughs> it will ensure that queer couples no longer have to pay more out of pocket to start a family than a non-queer family. Meaning, if you're if a guy and a girl are together and they're just and they're non-queer, they're together and they have one drink too many one night and you know things happen. Okay, and then. That creates a baby. That should be the same as when two guys, they want to have someone else, you know, use their sperm and impregnate a surrogate and have that person carry a baby. If that costs more, if that situation costs more money, then it's unfair. Then a guy and a girl having sex in their bed at home. If that situation costs more, then that's inequality. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you, you're spot on. The fertility insurance bill would expand the coverage mandate for employers to include IVF and expand the legal definition of infertility to include, quote, a person's inability to reproduce either as an individual or with their partner without medical intervention. Infertility would no longer be defined only as a disease or medical condition, but also as a status, it, such as being in a gay or lesbian relationship or being single. A person's, here's infertility, a person's inability to reproduce as an individual or with their partner without medical intervention. So human nature, the nature of homo sapiens is wrong, okay? And if two guys can't do their thing and a baby develops, then that's infertility as defined by this law and is a new status. It must be covered by insurance. How do you think insurance is going to react to this? Jeez. Um, State Farm's already pulled out of doing home insurance in California. Did you see that? No, I didn't. Yeah. Of course, the left blamed it on climate change mm. because too many wildfires. Actually, California has laws saying that they can't raise their prices yeah. uh, any more than a certain amount uh, to ensure the risk. So maybe that's the reason. Okay, here's another one for you. Let's go. California bill would punish parents who don't affirm their child's gender identity. Mm. A newly revised California bill would treat parents' refusal to affirm their child's gender identity as a violation of health, safety, and welfare in the context of custody disputes you know it's all of these things that we that we've been talking about and we we used to say this all the time like 
it's so good. Like it's such the right thing to do that they have to force people, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know? Of course. Idea is so good. They got to be forced mm-hmm. or th- you got to be threatened that your kid could be taken away. The yeah. bill, which already passed the state assembly would require judges adjudicating such disputes over transgender identifying children to favor a parent. So you're in custody battle right now. Okay. Trans identifying children to favor a parent who affirms their child's gender identity. Earlier this week, the authors released an updated version that specifically denies the health, safety, and welfare of a child to include, defines, sorry, the health, safety, and welfare of a child to include a parent's affirmation of the child's gender identity, a change that the bill's opponents worry will open the door to non-affirmation being treated as abuse. And so why would it not? If, if health, safety, and welfare also include affirming this one, of the, it's one of those conversations, Charlie, where it's so, it's so maddening, it's so insane, it's so off the wall, it's so removed from reality that it's tough to even explain what you feel when you talk about it, because you're talking about children who know nothing. Mm-hmm. They don't know what they're talking about ever at all. And if you don't affirm whatever their feelings are on this specific thing, by the way, because they know the main difference between the man and the woman for sure as a seven-year-old child, they definitely know. If you don't affirm that, then that means you could be taken away from one of your parents. I'm going to play this clip. AB 957, California State Assembly member Wilson explains her reasoning behind considering this bill. Let's hear it. This particular bill adds the very important factor that affirming a child's gender identity is in their best interest, which is what your question is about. Why does it get, why does it actually say that in an affirmative way? And it really is because if you have a seven-year-old who's, who's talking about having a potential to say, I being able to articulate that they believe that they are not the same gender um, as they are biologically, then it should be affirmed. And through care, it should be determined. And that's what we did with our own child. And that would give the ability for a parent who wasn't sure to affirm and get their child the care that they need to make that, so they can begin to articulate that determination. But by saying and rejecting it in wholesale, then you're essentially rejecting your child. And that is not in the best interest of a child. We should be affirming our children in every possible way and getting them whatever appropriate care they need, whether it's based on their gender, whether it's based on how their um, studies are in school. It doesn't matter. Our children should be affirmed. And this is saying that. Hold on. Whether it's based on their gender or their studies in school. I didn't even hear that part yet. Basically, whatever your kid wants to do, you should affirm it, mm, Charlie. Yeah. As a, I'm not a parent, and so I can't talk on this. But Charlie, I want to give you some advice. Whatever your kid wants to do, you should affirm it. Don't mm. want to do your homework? Doesn't matter. Okay? You want to take pills to... It doesn't identify as a homework, a homework kid. Yeah. No, neither. So... <sighs> Cookies for breakfast? My God. Candy for breakfast? <clears throat> That's right. You want to be a monster truck? Don't worry. I got the shocks on order right now. Let me tell you, uh, you know the Jordan Peterson... I can replace his legs with shocks and wheels, <laughs> you know? The Jordan Peterson... Monster truck affirming surgery. Uh, original controversy had to do with him refusing to use the pronouns that people were trying to force him to use, okay? Well, Even, kind of. He didn't refuse to do it. I yeah. get it. He didn't outright refuse to he use it. He was speaking out against a bill that would yeah. uh, compel speech. Yes. 
okay. And I remember, I've, I've said this a bunch, my wife was like, why is he making such a big deal about it? Why not just, why not just do it? Who cares? This is why. This is the answer to that question. We've also got a friend who comes on the show sometimes, I'm not going to give any names, who says, I don't care about this kind of stuff. I don't think it's important in the... And this is why these things are important. We're talking about a state removing children from their parents because the parent did not agree to block their child's puberty or whatever else the reason may be. Um, I realize that people can move out of the state or whatever, but normally California tends to bleed out into the rest of the United States. The reason that this conversation matters is because this is the logical conclusion of the conversation. If you believe those things, if you believe all pronouns, then this is the logical conclusion. Mm -hmm. It's either true or it's not. And if it's true, then you're going to have to legally define and protect it with all the ways that the, that the government legally defines and protects everything else that they do. And this is why those little annoying conversations actually do matter. America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was in the foot, him, uh, foot, foot, excuse me, the foothills of the Himalayas with Xi Jinping, traveling with him. I guess we traveled 17,000 miles when I was vice president. I don't know that for a fact. This, these are some responses to the affirmative action decision from yesterday, starting with RFK Jr., who we just heard yesterday is going to be at Freedom Fest, which we're... We're going to be there as well, and we got to try and grab him. And uh, you want to grab him by the what? No, <laughs> I don't want to do that. Okay, I want to ask him politely if he oh, wants there. to come talk to us. That seems better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we All need right, to make sure we do that. In response to affirmative action, he says regarding the Supreme Court banning affirmative action in higher ed, I know many Americans feel that purely race-based decisions <laughs> are unfair. However, this feeling misses important context. Race-based decisions are fine in some elements, mm -hmm. you know? <clears throat> the effects of racist policies going back centuries are now self-perpetuating. Affirmative action understands this and uses race-based policies to undo the effects of racist policies. You fight racism with racism, Nate. Mm -hmm. It's like you fight fire with fire. Same thing. Yeah. Um, any libertarians still out there fighting, f fighting for Thanks. RFK Jr.? Well, they're definitely doing that. Listen, I saw Clint talking. Uh, Clint, we've talked with him quite a few times, and he's been big on RFK Jr., and I understand why. I was talking to a friend, John, the other day about how I was considering RFK Jr., just as a big old FU to the uh, administrative state, the bureaucracy, to the uh, alphabet agencies. I get it. I get the idea. Um, but he's not a libertarian. He's still a tyrant. We just happen to like a few things that he says. And there is a big difference between those things. All right. We got to remain principled. And that's why we never said that we were thinking about supporting RFK Jr. Because he clearly has the tendency to go this way on several different issues. And uh, you got to be ready for that. You got to assume that's going to happen. Gavin Newsom says that people want to whitewash our nation's history by uh, not having affirmative action, I guess. That's whitewashing our nation's history. They want to bring America back to the era of book bans and segregated campuses. We cannot let them. Of course, that's in response to the affirmative action ruling. The 
super weird part about that, of course, as people have pointed out, is that affirmative action is banned in California and has been since 1996. So I guess that means they have whitewashed America's history in California. No one knows anything uh, about what's happened uh, in the in the past in our history in California whatsoever. They're just a a big conservative, I don't know, Handmaid's Tale, uh, terrible, terrible slave state. Really, is what they are, and they've banned all the books. Really dumb from Gavin Newsom there, and then Erica Marsh. We talked about this yesterday, folks. It does look like this was a real tweet. She tried to fix it, and it wasn't good. Uh, Erica Marsh yesterday said, Today's Supreme Court decision is a direct attack on black people. No black person will be able to succeed in a merit-based system, which is exactly why affirmative action-based programs were needed. Today's decision is a travesty. It turns out it was a real post because she tried to clarify She said, allow me to clarify this tweet, which is being manipulated for propaganda and misinformation by Ultra MAGA. (laughs) The intention of my tweet is to highlight that prior to affirmative action, there existed a supposedly merit-based system for black individuals to gain admission to colleges. However, these institutions employ racial profiling to prevent black individuals from attending under the guise of this merit system. Well, guess what, Erica? Under this ruling, that would be illegal too, okay? Because they ruled 14th Amendment does not allow you to consider race in the admissions, meaning if you find that they are racially profiling people and holding them out of schools, which once again is a dumbass idea that these woke colleges where the disgust, the, the puke of society is oozing out, into our into our streets that they're just going to start banning black people from going to college automatically. Yeah. It's the epicenter of white supremacy, these colleges, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of a sudden, that's going to happen. Uh, it's just not. So she wants to emphasize that her statement in no way suggests that black individuals are less intelligent than people of other, race, that's other races. That's exactly what it, it suggested. It literally suggested. Yeah. No black person will be able to succeed in a merit-based system. I don't remember when I learned how to read, but those words in that order mm-hmm. definitely suggest yeah. black individuals are less intelligent and they can't work hard or anything else like that. Well, you must be part of the ultra MAGA yeah. who's manipulating this for propaganda. I just love people who <laughs> know how to take accountability. <laughs> so good. You know? Yeah. You know, especially rather than women. being like, okay, I chose the wrong words. That's not what I meant. Like, mm. I, let me, let me rephrase that and what, where my heart actually is. Mm-hmm. No, I'm, first of all, I'm going to blame everyone else for misinterpreting my words, you know, because that's not what I was trying to say. <clears throat> it's so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. I just, I can't anymore. AOC. I, I've reached my breaking point. Mm-hmm. I'm serious. I, I don't, can't. I don't, don't break. Well, don't do it. I'm at the point. You're about to break. I'm yeah. like that Lincoln Park song, you yeah. know? And I'm about to. Anyway, AOC says if SCOTUS was serious about their ludicrous colorblindness claims, they would have abolished legacy admissions, aka affirmative action for the privileged. 70% of Harvard's legacy applicants are white. SCOTUS didn't touch that. Uh, that's because no one was suing over Harvard's legacy applicants. Okay, if someone wants to bring that, if someone has standing, if they were harmed, then they can try and 
bring that to the court. Um, so what is Harvard's legacy? That's like, people, I think that's when you like your family went your there family, or yeah. maybe I don't know if it's donors, but maybe it's a family thing. Do also, you know? All she said was 70% of Harvard's legacy applicants are white. Yeah. Who gets submitted? Does it mean they, they, <laughs> they get in? <laughs> yeah. They're just, they're legacy applicants. Yeah. So we also, still don't know I what the admissions are. I love how she is saying what she's saying to a black man <laughs> who wrote the majority opinion, you know? That doesn't matter. I mean, last I checked, she, I mean, she's a woman of color, but she's of, you know, <clears throat> Latina descent, or she may clarify, she may, you know, she may identify as Latinx. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Latinx. Latinx. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I believe they're lower on the totem pole if, if I got my, you know, oppression totem pole correctly. Well, I haven't had mine updated yet uh, to the newest version of Although he's victimhood. a black man. Yeah. And, and she's a colored woman, if we know what that is. <laughs> See, I get all confused now. You know what? Let's get the voting going. Uh, we've got this Elizabeth Warren tweet from yesterday also. If you listened uh, yesterday, an extremist Supreme Court has rolled back the march toward racial justice and narrowed opportunity for all when literally they were, literally they were not admitting people based on their race. Uh, Women stop fighting for young people with big dreams who deserve an equal chance to pursue their future. Except for whites and Asians. <laughs> Just clap for that, you stupid bastards.